<laughs> Welcome to Potadelphia! My name is Dave DiOrio. You can find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster. And I'm joined by two guys who are going streaking! What's up, Chuck and Gene? Uh, hey, Dave. Hey, Gene. Uh, hey, Potadelphia listeners. Um, I am not going streaking tonight. It's a bit cold. And I'm a bit old and fat. Um, if you'd like to hear more thoughts like this, you can find me on Twitter at Chuck Siders. You can find the show at Potadelphia. And I'm Gene Zelak. You can find me on Twitter at Producer Gene. And uh, I did streak uh, into the studio, but um, you can't see that I'm just I'm just a sweatshirt. That's that's it. Yeah. <laughs> well, you don't have like Jason Alexander's face on that sweatshirt, do you, Gene? No, no, this is my flyer sweatshirt. I am in the running for that Jason Alexander <laughs> sweatshirt, though. Hey, you know how you get less fat? More streaking. Uh, so, <laughs> did you guys have a, a good Super Bowl Sunday? You know what? I did. Um, and I don't quite know why. Um, on the whole, I think the game was better than it gets credit for, but it it wasn't that good. I mean, it was, it was fine enough. It kept my interest for some reason. Um, the commercials are fairly lackluster. Um, I thought the oh, weekend dude, was okay. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it, but I thought the commercials were pretty good. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, let, let's talk about it later. Um, and I thought the weekend was fine. Um, but but for some reason, I enjoyed the whole game. I don't know why. Um, nothing to write home about outside of you know Brady winning his seventh. But I think you um, enjoyed the game because it was a largely un- unexpected result. That's what kind of got me. I was expecting a like offensive yeah. demonstration by the Chiefs, and and you know they didn't quite deliver it. But I was kind of intrigued by the by them not delivering. I guess. Yeah, that's fair. And also, I think. As the game went on and Mahomes became more hobbled, uh-huh. it, it was a different sort of storyline where I was really kind of rooting for him just to to show what he can do or to you know flip everybody off and go sit on the bench, one or the other. But I mean, it, right. there was some compelling stuff going on. Right. Uh, Gene, do you believe now, like if you ever have a conversation with someone about you know, the greatest of all time, the greatest quarterback of all time. If there's even a discussion about it not being Brady, is this person even someone worth having a conversation with? Um, I don't think it. there's much of a debate as far as anybody else you could sort of put in his stratosphere at this point. Uh, I mean, the, the conversation this year really sort of turned not from Tom Brady being the greatest of all time at, at quarterback and, and in football, uh, he seemed to have even transcended Jerry Rice at this point. Um, but uh, the interesting thing to me is a lot of people are now turning the conversation to, is Tom Brady the greatest athlete of all time, full stop? Um, or at least the greatest champion or greatest winner of all time? You mm-hmm. know, him in the same conversation as uh, people like um, Tiger Woods and uh, LeBron James and uh, Wilt Chamberlain. So uh, I don't know if I want to elevate tom brady at least certainly not in the charisma factor uh into that stratosphere but uh, it's hard to argue with his brand of success and when when you do it now in two different places maybe the only positive that comes out of this is that you can sort of use it as a knock against belichick which of the two i've always hated belichick more so uh if he can go ahead and just like go down like the titanic that's fine uh, I, I don't understand why tom brady didn't walk off the field like uh, uh you know 
already like with his retirement papers signed. Well, because he won, he only just immediately walks off the field after he loses. <laughs> but I, you know, I fully anticipated like the, a sort of a conversation to be like, you know, an announcement shortly thereafter that he was he was done. But uh, it doesn't seem to be going that way. It seems like we're gonna we may have uh, Brady and Tampa Bay 2.0 next year. So um, we'll see. So this is kind of the stuff that everyone's talking about right now. Oh, Brady's the greatest of all time. Uh, so I, I kind of want to re like, let's look at this game at a, a little bit of a different, a different perspective here. And I want to really take a closer look at the chiefs. And I want to say there is a scenario where the Eagles are closer to winning a super bowl than the chiefs are right now. That is, that is a bold proclamation, <laughs> my friend. <laughs> No, but hear me out, right? So everyone thinks like, okay, Mahomes is going to play in 50 Super Bowls over the next 25 years, uh, and he's going to win 30 of them, and they're going to be some powerhouse dynasty. But, you know, as we saw after the Eagles Super Bowl, you know, that success, it hangs by like a spider web thread sometimes. Like unless you're the Patriots, that success is like it's so delicate. Like one, a couple things go against you and it all falls apart and you're where we are right now as an organization and, and the Philadelphia Eagles, right? Like we thought, oh, new normal, you know, and I'm sure the Chiefs are all like, you know, this is a new normal. Like, we're going to be in this. Everything. So what? We didn't win this one. Like, we'll be back next year and the year after that. And year after that. But, like, what if? And I'm going to lay out some scenarios that are totally plausible here that can just destroy the Chiefs organization. <laughs> <laughs> are, are, is, and Dave will take one? no pleasure from that. I, none a, whatsoever. I will I'll hate every minute. Is a number one the fact that Andy Reid is going to continue to not understand clock management? Is, is no. That well, well, number one <laughs> is Andy Reid will no longer coach. Andy Reid will step away from the game of football. There's too much personal strain on him. Uh, his son, you know, things go things go the wrong way for the Reid family with this accident. His son's in jail. It's too much strain on the family. Reid can't take it. He either has physical issues of his own or it's just too much, and he walks away. Okay? I mean, that's not a 0% chance that happens, right? No, it's not zero. I, I, it's small. I, I get it, but it's just one. It's just one thing, right? So let's say let's say Reed walks away, right? The enemy takes over as the interim, or you know, I, need, I need a year off, you know, whatever. And okay. it's just not the same, right? Mahomes is going in for surgery now, right? On the foot. Uh, maybe he's never the same or, you know, odds are he's probably going to be fine, but maybe he's not the same. What if he gets an injury, you know, early next season and it's just not the same. You're just not there. You don't win the division. You know, things don't work out your way. Now Mahomes has this massive contract. So after next season, you have trouble retaining your talent. You have trouble bringing in new talent. The, the the San Diego Chargers have the rookie of the year quarterback on their team. You're going to have competition coming really quickly in your division. I mean, you know, the Raiders are no joke. So, you know, if you don't strike, you didn't strike this year. If you don't strike next year, you know, two years, two years from now is a really far away. And a lot can happen in two years. 
do, and do now you, look man. look at it on the flip side. You know, Eagles bring in a new coach. You know, we, uh, you know, we think it's a joke right now, ha ha ha. <laughs> but he might be a genius. Things could start going our way, and there's a scenario where the Eagles are closer to a Super Bowl than the Chiefs. Am I crazy? Gene was gonna going to say something, so I'll let him talk, and then I'm going to, you know, just absorb everything you said and determine if you're crazy. Okay, it doesn't uh, look good. I I, th I think I think the uh, all the every fan base uh, in the NFL is probably able to spin themselves in some way the next dynasty. Um, I think it's more or less realistic for some people than others. Um, and I am usually a shiny, happy, optimistic Eagles fan, but um, there's a lot of things that ha have been coming out around the organization right now that makes it very hard to sort of blindly put faith into the the, the folks that are constructing the roster, uh, which I think is sort of the key cog in this whole machine. You know, it'll be interesting to see if they're able to get something for Wentz when that trade happens. I'm sure we're going to dive a little deeper into that in a few minutes. Uh, as far as your your take on Kansas City, I mean, that that is professional football and why it's so different than all of the other sports. Um, the, you can't tank the way that you can in other sports because football is really the, the true team game. You can't just um, lose for Hughes. You, 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 you can't necessarily trust the process because, like you were saying, there are way, way, way too many variables that even if you do these sorts of things, um, you're, you're not really gaining the same sort of advantage that you do when you're, you're talking about these high draft picks and other, other sports. I hear you. I hear you. But how many organizations right now would trade positions with the Chiefs I would say probably a vast majority of organizations would trade positions with the Chiefs. And, you know, even if the organization doesn't fall apart, they're very like I I'm okay. M maybe my scenario I laid out is a 2% chance, but I think there's at least a 50% chance that they turn into the Green Bay Packers. Well, and that's an interesting uh, comparable. The Packers really have not a been able to sort of find that formula that gets them to the next level. So yeah, this megastar quarterback, big contract takes up a lot of, you know, your cap space. And they're never really bad. They're, they're not bad. They're always in the playoffs. It's like they're always a contender, but not enough to get over that hump. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's fair. And I think there's, there's probably some space in between Packers and like, completely falling apart and Jaguar. and Jaguars Packers and Jaguars probably pretty pretty big chasm there um you know for a long time the uh, San Diego Chargers lived there um yeah but, they moved to Los Angeles yeah <laughs> moved to Los Angeles got famous you know classic you know a star is born story for mm. you but I, I think to go back to the point that you're making Dave with, I was unnerved in the Super Bowl with how much Tony Romo was talking about, like, you know, Brady or Mahomes, like, you know, this guy's got such a future. How many more Super Bowls are we going to see him in? Like, have you not paid attention to football over the years? Like, it can go like that. You know, a good team, a winning team, something that looks great on paper, one injury away, one offensive coordinator 
away. Um, and everything falls apart. So the Chiefs could really come back to the, the pack very quickly. And the Eagles could ascend quickly if Jalen Hurts is the guy. If, if you know, a smattering of players really step up, if we get lucky. See, poor Howie. I, I say if we get lucky in the draft. I don't even consider the idea that we have skill in the draft. But if a few things break the Eagles' way, then we're putting up another Philly Philly statue at the at the link, you know. Right. So it's not it's not insane, but I mean, I wouldn't gamble on it. I wouldn't go. I'm looking at all the tea leaves, and they say the Chiefs are going to fall apart, and the Eagles are going to ascend. So yeah. Dave and Chuck, who who do you think gets the credit now for the Patriots' success? I mean, now you can see Bill Belichick not in the playoffs. He had Cam Newton. It's not like he had, um, you know, some unknown, completely green quarterback. Uh, but Tom Brady goes, you know, I mean, he brings Gronk with him. And uh, you certainly can't say that he had he had terrible talent on the outside. But, um, you know, he goes to a new new venue and he wins a Super Bowl. So is this was this Brady the whole time or, you know, was it Bill? Who is responsible? Who gets, you know, if you were divvying out credit, you know, you've got 100%, you know, is it 70-30 Belichick? Is it 80-20 Brady? What do you think? 70-30 Brady? Uh, I mean, I, I, I think Belichick like is more involved with the defense anyway, right? I mean, that's what I've understood. That's why his offensive coordinators keep going other places and failing. <laughs> Brady, man. Yeah, I, I I would put it at like 60-40, but give it sort of an incomplete for now. I want to see a couple years more of Belichick without Brady. You know, I think this year's performance proved that Brady is the man. You know, you, you can't you can't take it away from him. But one bad season or one mediocre season does not a coach make. So if Belichick comes right back next year, the year after that gets him to the Super Bowl, then maybe we're having a different conversation, but I I'd say 60, 40 Brady here's, just because. Here's, yeah. Yeah. Go here's on. the question that, you know, I asked you guys in the chat and you both immediately had different answers. <laughs> you know, we are of a certain age um, and we've had the opportunity to you know, in our adult lives, watch this entire Brady run from, you know, 01 to Sunday. Um, are we blessed or cursed to having bear witness to the Brady experience, the TB12 experience? <laughs> um, I'll, I'll let Gene start and then I'll, I'll be the rebuttal. Now, I, I said uh, immediately my, my knee-jerk reaction was cursed, but that's mostly because I'm not a Patriots or Tampa Bay fan. So, obviously, uh, in, the, in the immediate present, I feel fairly cursed that this is something that I have to sort of keep running up against. Although, uh, in, 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 our, you know, in, the, in the Eagles fan defense, you know, it did feel really good not only winning the Super Bowl, to, but to win it against Brady and and to win it in the way that we did really the last truly great objectively great Super Bowl that we've seen in the last probably 
eight years, 10 years. Um, so it was not only an entertaining game, but it was great that it came out for us. I, I was thinking about this a lot today, and I, I, I guess it was prompted by reading something about how Jerry Rice sort of has deferred in his own statements to Tom Brady being the, the greatest player in the NFL in NFL history. And um, I think that give me 10 years of hindsight after Brady is gone and I might be able to say, you know, it was pretty cool to have had even to have him as the antagonist in the NFL for that long, you know, because the, it is the weird phenomenon that when Brady makes the Super Bowl, there is a vast majority of people that are rooting just for him to lose. They are just rooting for whatever team he is not playing for. Um, and whether that's just, uh, you know, an anti-Patriots virus or, or, or just you want to, you, you sort of want to root for the underdog or watch the guy get knocked off his pedestal. And maybe the true greatness of Brady is none of that's ever sort of affected him. He has, you know, and it's not even like he comes out and is like the, the classic bad guy. Um, but he just comes out and does what he's supposed to do. He just brings out that you hate us because you ain't us, like, feeling inside of you. And when you listen to him talk, he's so, like, on that message. And he just doesn't give off that sort of charisma that you had from even, you know, from guys like Joe Montana or... Um, or Joe Namath uh, in particular really like strikes out that a guy that you could really want to root for because they just made you feel like you wanted to be friends with them. I, I wouldn't want to hang out with Tom Brady. He, I, I would have no interest in, I, I'd, you know, maybe because he could, he could, he could show off, you know, his rings or something, but, you know, or maybe you'd get to meet his wife, but uh, you know, for a guy who was the second income in his family, uh, it is sort of frustrating um, that he is so damn successful and so good at his job. Um, but I think that even with all of that said, it's going to be very hard to look back and not say it was, it certainly made the enter the NFL a lot more entertaining having a Brady in it than had we gone uh, a period without him. Chuck. It, yeah. So I, I was on the, we were blessed to witness it. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot easier to say because the Eagles did beat him in a Super Bowl once. Um, it might, you know, if we were stymied every time or if we were in the AFC, it'd probably be a different story. Um, but the Eagles and Tom Brady were always sort of entwined. A lot of his success paralleled the Eagles' success. He was just always like two tiers better. You know, the first... Um, well, it wasn't the first, I guess. It, no, it was the first. First Super Bowl he went to, the Eagles were in the NFC Championship game for the first time. You know, it was, oh, if we just beat the Rams, that could have been us in the Super Bowl. Wow. And, you know, <laughs> we ended up facing him a, a few years later, I think, um, early in the run, you know, the, the Eagles and the Patriots were both 0-2, either the second or third year of Brady, and early season game. So, Tom Brady was always around and football is so prominent that you can't avoid it. But he went this from this guy who was drew Bledsoe's backup and didn't the Patriots get lucky to have this guy and go, Hey, he's pretty good. Hey, he's really good. Who's better him or Peyton? You know, then it becomes a question who's better him or Montana. Uh, and you just see this trajectory of a backup 
you know, what was he, a fifth rounder or something like that? Sixth rounder. I mean, I should, I should know that. It should be, you know, tattooed on my brain at this point. But just to see from really humble beginnings to the realization that this guy is talented to what we saw on Sunday to go, yeah, he took, he, he left a dynasty, went to Tampa Bay of all places and took him right back and won the Super Bowl game. So to be, to be a step removed from it for this season, since the Eagles did win that Super Bowl back in, you know, Super Bowl 52 and the fact that we kind of sucked this year, dropped kind of, we sucked this year. Um, it wasn't like, it wasn't like Tampa Bay run us, ran us out of the, uh, the playoffs. We, we didn't have a shot. So I would think it's just, it's just nice to see that we, we got to see the beginning and the end of it and, you know, sort of grow up on a, a parallel path to this dude. Yeah, that's what I mean. I mean, you got to see the whole you got to see the whole journey and there's really not that many athletes that, you know, in your adult life you get to see that are the best of all. You know what I mean? Like Jordan, like we were kind of young, you know, Uh, Gretzky, we were really young, Um, you know, Bond. And you didn't have that that perspective either. You know, I remember like sitting with my grandfather and being a, I'd say early teens enough to get like what he's telling me that this is like the greatest basketball player he's ever seen. But I, I didn't have it. I didn't have the the catalog to go. Wow. He's better than this person, better than this person, better than that person. You know, I think Mike Trout, you know, we're going to be able to see his entire journey in our adult lives. However, Mike Trout is not winning world series. So, you know, it makes it a a little bit different. Um, Yeah. I I just think, you know, in generations, the common are going to say, you know, look back and, you know, it's no brainer. Tom Brady was the best quarterback of all time. And it's like, wow, you got to see every one of those Tom Brady Super Bowls. Like, how lucky are you? Even though when we're in it, it's like, this sucks, man. It's another <laughs> Patriots Super Bowl. Please let somebody else win. <laughs> all right. Uh, some other stuff about the Super Bowl. Um, what did you think of the halftime show, the weekend? I, I brought it up before. I thought it was good. I thought it was fine. Um, I will embarrass, you know, I will admit to my own detriment that I thought I was seeing Vampire Weekend. Oh um, <laughs> well, I knew there were separate people. But what an opportunity for Vampire Weekend, though, to play the Super Bowl. <laughs> well, that's what I was thinking. I was very surprised. And I'm like, oh, no, this is the other guy. I think people are preconditioned to immediately tweet out how much they hate the NFL halftime show. Like no NFL halftime show will ever be good enough for Twitter. I I thought it was fine in the immediate like sense of it. It's much easier to, to be negative than positive. You mean Yeah, people just like hate on everything. I mean, it's the age of COVID. What did you want to happen? Well, and I mean, I guess the, the, to your point, it, if you're going to tweet, like, you're not just going to be like, Hey, that's great. That's awesome. Way to go. Like that right. it gets you no traction. You know, what you want to do is you want to tweet a meme because that's that gives you the chance maybe to to become a little. A but little the weekend's better. like running through the hallway uh, meme is great. Yeah, we're going to use that forever. Yeah, I, I have to say, <laughs> though, this was the first Super Bowl. Those of us that get, uh, you know, this was way more offensive to me as someone who gets motion sick than that thing with Janet Jackson. Frankly, <laughs> no. 
<laughs> yeah, at least her nipples stay in one place. How you know? good? We're looking for a trade partner for yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, I like his music. I, the thing is, you know, the NFL halftime is such a bizarre sort of thing. One of the the the, the mental uh, gymnastics things you have to go through is, you know, at some point you get told this fact that the people that play the halftime show they paid to be there. The NFL doesn't pay them. You know what I mean? I was always under the impression that Britney Spears got like a lifetime supply of Pepsi and a big fat check when she did her halftime show. No, <laughs> she did not. She got her, her stage covered in Pepsi crap and she had to shell out for it. That that was the difference between, you know, what I what I had perceived growing up and, and what, what reality is. The NFL is basically saying we are giving you the largest platform in the history of television year over year. Uh, so you're going to fork over 7 million bucks weekend. And then, you know, also pay for all of your shenanigans that you're going to put up, you know, and I, I, I imagine that that sort of makes the artist try to do something and, and, you know, you got to take a big swing. You, you can't go in that and just, you, you got to be somebody like Prince or Paul McCartney to just go out there and sing. Otherwise, you know, you're going to go out there and you're going to try to innovate and you're going to try to do something memorable. And I think when you do that, you sort of are going to get an initial reaction of what the hell did I just see? But I think like you were sort of saying, as a day, two, three go by, uh, you know, a couple of months, you know, you can sort of appreciate what was happening. And sometimes maybe these things are right teetering on the edge of where a trend's going to go. So it'll be interesting to see how, how things go. I had no idea what to expect from a COVID halftime show. It certainly, uh, certainly, I think, brought jock straps back to the forefront um, and, um, and masks. So um, we'll see how, how things go. It'll be interesting to see what, what everybody's cheap and easy Halloween costume is going to be next year. All right. Um, <laughs> commercials. What was your favorite commercial? I'm, I'm blanking. You already mentioned the, I was going to say Costanza one, uh, but the Jason Alexander sweatshirt one, that was, that was definitely up there for me. Um, yeah, I, that was Tides, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Sometimes it's hard to remember what they're even selling. Product is, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I like the execution of that and just for the greatest American hero theme song being stuck sure. in my head. And the believe it or not, George is not home. Um, <laughs> ever yes. since, yes. Um, there are a few other ones, but there's nothing sticking out to me. That's where I said the okay. commercials were kind of duds because there were things I enjoyed in the moment, but I forgot. You know, the Paramount yeah. Plus one of the new streaming service. Uh, um, yeah, I, I could take that. Yeah, away. I was I was a big fan of the Scots. Uh, lawn, one with the Travoltas uh, dancing. See, I no? missed that. Oh, I you, you missed that one. Good, look it up. Um, and you know the Travoltas were great, but it's got you know my girl Emma Lovewell in it, who is yeah. my my preferred Peloton instructor. So I was happy <laughs> to see her get some work. Gene, did you have a favorite commercial? Uh, I really liked the um, the one where they were sort of playing around with the. Uh, the 5G breaking up of the the cell phone call between Gwen Stefani and uh, Maroon okay. 5 Knucklehead. Um, Adam Levine. Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not Zach Levine. Um, 
Um, and uh, you know, I, I like the I like making fun of the Bla uh, the Blake Shelton and Gwen Stefani thing. So anything that sort of pokes fun at that relationship, I'm sort of down for because they seem like such an oddly matched pair. Uh, so I think it's ripe for humor that um, he sort of plays up that he's like a country boy yokel and she's glamorous. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it is sitcom fodder. And I'm surprised that we haven't seen CBS like jump on some sort of variation of it. Um, God, please Gene's don't. just sitting there with Gavin Rosdale, both of them bitter yelling at the screen. <laughs> uh, I have to give a special mention to Grubhub. I thought both yes. of their commercials were really, really good. The one with... Um, General Lafayette in yeah. the beginning of, the, and then uh, the Wayne's World one uh, Wayne's towards World towards the one. end. We're, we're both we're both really good. It sort of made me ready for Wayne's World three. I've only been waiting for like twenty years for that. <laughs> Cardi B was great, but I mean, with uh, Debbie Diggs and Sesame Street, that one I I had an emotional journey with that one. That was like, ah, oh, Sesame Street shouldn't be selling out, and I'm like, well. They've been selling products since they began. Sure. And you know, Sesame Street, was, get yours. Well, yeah, yeah, Sesame Street, get yours, because we as Americans have let Sesame Street down. They didn't end up at HBO do their own greed. No, because we didn't support them. And the Children's Television Workshop. True. There's a new documentary coming out. It's called Street Gang, based on the book Street Gang. I recommend them both. But um, so okay. I felt like not. Nah, the, the Sesame Street Muppets shouldn't be shilling, but uh, you know what? They gotta eat, you know. And if they have to eat, you know, DoorDash is a uh, is a is a great way to get that food. Yeah. Uh, oh, it was one Grubhub and one was DoorDash? I thought they were both Grubhub. So you probably I could be wrong. Me on that. Uh, and the reason we've been talking about the Super Bowl for the last 30 minutes is because the Eagles couldn't pull off this damn Wentz trade yet, which we <laughs> thought was going to be timed up perfectly with our show. So what's the deal? What's the deal? To bring back the Seinfeld stuff. Uh, what's the deal with this trade? Like uh, what, how he's asking too much, right? Are we overvaluing Wentz? Well, uh, is this one of these things where Wentz now sort of is – reforcing the issue the the the, the sort of oh thing we we sort of were told or at least the what seemed like was the, the 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 gears turning behind the scenes was the new coach was sort of being interviewed with the eye towards you're gonna you're gonna you think Wentz is something that we can still work with we we have a lot of money invested in a lot of emotional capital invested in this player and we would really like this to work out and then to sort of hear the leaking through the, the systems again, I don't know, you know, maybe we have another anonymous leak or something, but apparently Carson Wentz has got no problem with Jeff Lurie, talks to the new coach, but will not take Howie Roseman's calls. Um, and I don't, I don't really know how things have gotten this rotten in Denmark, so to speak, uh, with, with Roseman, but um he seems like he is at the core of all of the major, major problems in this organization. And I was one who was quick to give him a lot of credit for building that roster in 2017. Uh, but maybe it was a, a little bit of good roster management, and a lot of luck that sort of pulled that whole thing together. Um, but I'm, I'm certainly not comfortable turning over what could now be the draft to find another franchise quarterback because I don't want to hear that Chicago ships back Nick Foles um, and now all our problems are solved because that's that's not the case. 
Well, there and, are more things dreamt in heaven and earth. Right? How's the quote go? Listen, I don't care what they're asking for. I think if the Bears trade for Carson Wentz, I don't care what they give up. Carson Wentz is automatically the greatest quarterback in Bears history. <laughs> Better than I'm, Jim McMahon? Yes. Jim McMahon? He Seriously? He the Super Bowl? Oh, yeah. I mean, that... <laughs> Trent Hill for one Super Bowl. Okay. Well, are you talking about like more physical talent, more like more tools at his disposal, sort of thing? No, no. I, if if the Bears, if if Carson Wentz is on the Bears right now, he's the greatest quarterback in Bears history. Uh, that is another bold statement. I don't. What has he who's, done? Who's, okay, who who's all right? Who's the greatest quarterback in Bears history? But do we know that it's Carson well, Wentz from 2016-17, or do we know that it's Carson Wentz? I'm just telling you, Carson Wentz's talent right now, he's the best quarterback in Bears history. His, it's Jay Cutler. Jay Cutler's the best quarterback <laughs> in Bears history. Well, then Carson Wentz is better than Jay Cutler. I'm, that's but what I'm why? saying. Why so we Bears, say that? do it. What? Why are we saying that he's automatically better than Jay Cutler? I Jay mean, Cutler are we not. saying – but what, what did Wentz do this year? Like, I'm not trying to run him out of town, but I'm saying, like, it, it's he's it, the grass is always greener on the other side. It's like we we spent a whole season. No, I'm standing on the grass. <laughs> okay, I'm, it's my lawn. I know. <laughs> so you okay? So your team keep Wentz right now? I I didn't say that. All I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> So wait, wait. If Jalen Hurts goes to the Bears, would, is Jalen Hurts the best no, quarterback the Bears no, ever had? No, no, no. I don't know. Okay. All, all I'm saying is, is, if if you stack the greatest quarterbacks in franchise histories all next to one another, the Bears is pretty fucking low. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Granted, and I think that if they make this trade for Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz will be the the greatest franchise quarterback in Bears history. Statistic wise, I mean, maybe he won't win a Super Bowl, but statistic wise, I believe that will pan out. So the Bears should make this deal, and they should do everything they can to make this deal. Is is a is a number one this year and Nick Foles enough for you? For me, yeah, it's enough for me. But if the, if the Eagles think if Howie thinks he can get two ones, which it seems like that's what he thinks he can do, and he's just going to play the waiting game and see if someone caves. Then, then do it. I mean, I don't care. And, and Wentz is, is sort of let his people let it out that he would prefer the situation in Indianapolis. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we, we'd prefer to make what quarterbacks do in Chicago. Yeah. I, I don't know. Gene, you mentioned like Wentz is fine with, um, you know, fine with Laurie. Yeah. Was fine with Doug. Wasn't well, fine I know, with Doug. I, Doug. There was no comment on Doug recently. He likes the new coach. Yeah. He, he will communicate. But, with oh him. yeah, Philly voice must read every day. Yeah, <laughs> but he won't talk with Howie, and it's like, oh wow, what an indictment of Howie. I'm sorry. If if you have a problem, talk to your damn boss. Tell him that, like, hey, I don't want to play for you anymore. But he can't go, like, oh, the problem's Howie. Carson won't take his calls. Screw you, Carson. Pick up the phone. Tell him, what? like, but what? What would Car? Why would Carson Wentz 
Like, why would why would Carson Wentz be upset with Howie? Howie has done everything to placate Carson. He's moved he's moved Foles out. He gave him a a great contract. What what else does Wentz want from Howie Roseman? Not Jalen Hurts. That's his that's that's his bitch fit. Is that I I don't know. I mean that that to me you that brought a little you know, competition in. That would be you know or maybe saying things like I, I have no idea what what his problem necessarily is, but it seems to be maybe uh, just I guess the way this whole situation has gotten handled that it's sort of been been played out in the media that that he's he needs to go. Uh, you know, in my in my opinion, a lot of the problems that could have been stifled if Wentz had played up to just like league average this year. The problem was he not only did he like fall off, you know, his own marks, but he he was detrimental to the team and uh, he was maybe the biggest liability late in games. So here's the quote. Here's the quote from the article. According to numerous sources within the Eagles and the NFL, Wentz did what he was coached to do. He simply made wrong decisions and played poorly. The looks were there. Wentz just didn't deliver. So he can throw shade at Howie. He can throw shade at whoever he wants. The problem is with Wentz and in this situation. He's got all the shade. He's not getting there. He's yeah, he's got all the skills, he's got all the talent in the world. You know, we've seen him make, you know, like remember that <laughs> I'm not saying he could do it, but that that Mahomes throw in the Super Bowl where he yeah. was like three inches off the ground and completely parallel to the grass and he hit someone in the face with the ball. Yeah. I mean, Wentz can do that kind of thing. He just I don't know, it's just not working in Philly. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Dave, a few episodes ago. When this first started, you said I want a thirty for thirty of this season. Yeah. Like now, yeah. now I want the like the Jordan documentary for this season because, right. yeah, I I have to know what's going on because there is so much crap out there and you have it's so hard to believe, like well, it's so hard to know what to believe, and a lot of fingers go back to Howie Roseman for for really poor drafts for the most part, for, for poor drafts and not assembling the best team around these guys. But how does that function in a locker room? Is everyone sitting around pissed off that their GM didn't do enough? Like, does that make a bad locker room? I don't think so. You know, And all this being out there, if Carson wants out of town, this has just got to be, you know, tanking his value. You know, it's... As long as there are two teams interested, the Eagles should get something decent back. But when you're hearing all this drama, it's not like, oh, this is a guy to solve our problems, you know? So I don't know who to blame. Some of it's got to go up to Lori of like, hey, get your house in order, man. Like, with all this leaking getting out there, something is not right. Fix it. Shut it down. Whatever the dysfunction is, get the hell out. Is there a chance... That Wentz does not get traded. I think there's a chance. But it's starting to bubble for me a little bit. Like the longer this goes on, maybe there's this chance that he doesn't get traded at all. I, I really thought that was going to happen. I really thought that the deal was sort of very, very close to in place. And it's sort of, I don't know if it's written in stone, but it's it's not, you know, good form to make a trade like that the weekend of the Super Bowl. It's sort of 
the common practice to let the two teams that are playing for the championship have the spotlight. Um, but it's there then also not uncommon to see Monday or Tuesday after the Super Bowl to see big moves get made. Um, and you know, the Eagles do love to to sort of snag a headline when they when they have the chance to sort of push themselves up to the top of the of the heap. And the, the Phillies have getting been getting a lot of Phillies and Flyers and Sixers have been getting an awful lot of headlines lately about you know some of the things that they've been doing. So look, you know, the Eagles have sort of been back of the pack. It's about time for them to make that move to sort of reassert themselves as as the the team in the city. But but I, you know the the other thing is how does this like read to the fan base as far as what happened with Doug Peterson? You know, we all sort of thought that Doug got shoved out of the way because he, you know, he his relationship with Carson was toxic. Um it, it doesn't appear that that might Well, be the articles sort of alluded to Doug trusting the players so much, trust, 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 and then giving Carson all of this flexibility, like these, these, these go to the line, make a decision, do, you know, the kill plays, all this stuff. And then he wasn't executing. So then Doug kind of reined him in with some more structured plays that Carson didn't like feel like, or, you know, he didn't, he, he, he felt some kind of way about that trust being removed. And that's what damaged the relationship with Peterson. But the whole time, Peterson's like, dude, I'm trying to help you out here, man. Like, you're not, you're not succeeding doing what we were doing. So I'm trying to help you out. It's roll out, you know, and, and, and stuff like that. But it also said that the, any sort of speculation about when's tanking plays or uh, not running stuff intentionally is just complete bogus. Yeah. And, and you know, yeah. I wonder, I wonder if, the perception that we ended up getting from Doug Peterson. It, it's, it's fascinating to me that when this, as the season was wrapping up, we were talking about Doug yanking hurts to sort of get a better draft position because I think we've clearly yeah, seen this. It, it, it does absolutely did absolutely nothing for Doug to yeah. do because Doug is not going to get, get the benefit from, from, from that draft pick. Cause he's, he's looking for a job. So it wouldn't make any sense at this point to really, you know, unless he had been given some sort of order from on high and your his job was guaranteed, I don't see that he would have done that, which sort of then once again sort of spins all of the things that are happening in this organization into a whole, you know, you, we can look at these situations and we think we know what's going on, but, you know, sometimes maybe we overthink it and we, we think there's a conspiracy here more than there is and, and maybe maybe sometimes they are just stupid. Well, I think I think we're at the point now where <laughs> all we can do is wait, and, and hopefully somebody says something that gives us a little insight onto what the hell's going on with this situation. But for right now, we just wait. Now, we do have two other teams that are actively playing sports, uh, <laughs> actively playing sports in in Philadelphia. So uh, we have the Sixers coming up at ten o'clock. So I know we got we're going to want to go check out the uh, the watch party there. So until then, I do want to talk uh, a little uh, COVID flyers talk. <laughs> Dr. Chuck, what's going on with the Flyers? All right. Well, so far, there are three patients uh, for the Flyers. Oh it God. is Sanheim, Braun, and Giroux. And um, I don't think it's uh, official that anyone has COVID, but I mean, they, they, they have, have COVID. COVID. Yeah, they they have COVID, and um, we're not going to see the Flyers play for a bit. I think the 
Earliest possibility, I think, is Sunday against the Rangers. Um, the game that would have been scheduled tonight, Tuesday, um, uh, against Not Washington has been postponed. Tonight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that your Herb Brooks? It was. It was. Yeah. Flyers will Not be playing. Tonight, boys. Tonight. I'm sick of hearing about the Soviets. <laughs> oh, it's such a great movie. Um, but yeah, no Flyers game tonight, boys. Um, no Flyers game against the Devils. Uh, the Devils, everybody's sick on the Devils. That's like disturbing. They have in the teens people with the COVID protocol. The Devils. Um, the Devils. The Devils. The Devils are sick. More, um, more Steinfelds. I love it. Yes. <laughs> but the, the Flyers are going to be out of action for a bit. And if this spreads a bit on the team, which it, it probably will, and probably more people will be going on that COVID list um, before people start coming off of it, Yeah, that series against the Rangers might get pushed as well. Um, now the, the nice thing about this all divisional season is, well, Hey, COVID's wreaking havoc on, on most of the division. So I can't imagine that they're going to try to play all 56 games. I think at some point it's just going to go, Hey, points percentage, or maybe they, they look around, hey, the, the North Division, the Canadian Division, they're getting all their games in. So, hey, North Division, your cap is 54 games or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, the East, uh, you're 46 or 48 or whatever, and just, just trying to make it work. Um, before all this happened, you know, your Flyers were in second place, uh, both by points and point percentage. Uh, there was a lot of... Uh, bitching and moaning for a team with a very good record that was definitely trending in the right direction. Yeah, right. there were a lot of problems on the team. Uh, well, a lot of problem with the play, but the the Flyers were getting better. You know, so so. Well, I, I I'm ask, not certain. Go on. I I was going to ask you about some actual like on ice stuff. Last year, you know, when we talked, a lot of the success the Flyers had was pucks on net, pucks on net, and they were just generating shots and shots and shots. Shots, shots, shots. Um, This year is very different. Uh, Do they actually lead the league in, like, shooting, like, conversions? Is that that a statistic in hockey? Well, it's um, – Oh, I forget that exactly. The, the they're way up there in PDO, which is you know how many shots equal goals. So yeah. uh, it's shooting percentage is um, what, it, what it's normally called. And the Flyers have an insane shooting percentage. That right now. can't last. That that to me is a like a a red flag stat. Yes and no. Um, the shot differential is bad. The Flyers are letting up way more shots than they're taking. But if they both come back to earth a bit, we'll we'll be okay. And it's not like the Flyers' goals are fluky. It's when they're getting opportunities, they're capitalizing on them. And they are playing phenomenal in the transition. They get an opening. You get two guys coming in the zone like a two-on-one. They're scoring those goals. So this is not... 
man, you're, you're not going to have this many snipers. You're not going to have these, this many lucky bounces throughout the season. What it's showing is the offensive talent and the offensive depth and JVR having the best season of his career so far. Um, it, it's showing things that aren't sustainable, but even if you peel it back a little bit and get the shoot and the, the shots up and a little more of the offensive zone time up, um, it, it'll be okay. It'll, it'll work itself out that, yeah, that shooting percentage goes down because it's going to, but you're going to get more shots. Here's sort of a funky thing that I took note of. The Flyers, I think, have the majority of, uh, or certainly more than any other team, and 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 players that have hat tricks so far this season. I think they've got <laughs> what four of eleven in the league, um, three or four. It might be that they certainly have more Long than. PK. Go on, go on, go on. Sorry. So, uh, but uh, my question is, do you, do you attribute some of that certainly to depth, but you know, is AV playing certain matchups to sort of exploit or open up things for one particular player? Is that why you're seeing sort of the ability to, for one guy to sort of flash given night to night? That's an interesting question. I'm, I'm inclined to say, no, but he's playing the hot hands. You know, this team has four lines of depth, and their fourth line um, or third line, probably more, their bottom six, their bottom six are actually producing the best right now. And AV plays them. You know, it's going, who is playing our best? That line stays together. Get that line out on the ice. Whereas he shuffles the other lines more. Um, so I think he's being smart in usage, but I don't see I don't see line matching per se, which in the playoffs guys in some trouble where he was like, well, I gotta get my best line out at the most advantageous time. Here I think he's just calling their number more. You know, if the fourth line is is really you know killing it, fourth line back out. If that uh, Lawton Farabee JVR line has been really killing it, which they have been the last few games, right back out there. Um, Farabee has been a key factor on a lot of the, the productive lines this year. That Farabee Giroux um, Hayes line early in the season looked really good. So if, if you have another play driver in Farabee, somebody that can play the role of a Lindblom who maybe um, you know, in the, the comments here, uh, Steven had mentioned, you know, they, they need the healing anyway, you know, for the, I, I think that was in reference to the flyers, but Lindblom, I've been a little worried about his, his stamina. Um, it was a concern of mine going into the season. It is a concern going on. Um, and him getting a little downtime, a little bit of rest, that'd be good. If he can get back into that play driver role. So you have someone like Couture, like Lindblom, like Farabee, and maybe even a little bit of Lawton. Now you have a whole lot of talent, a whole lot of people really driving the play. And even though the Flyers aren't showing that tenacity right now, um, Again, there's hope that it's going to kick back into gear. 
Chuck, what is Gritty's belly button color? It depends on his mood. Uh, Gritty's <laughs> belly button color does change. I think the most common one I see is teal. Um, I think it has been orange. Uh, I know it's been like rainbow uh, pride colors. Um, frequently pierced with his hot girl summer G um, <laughs> belly button ring. Um, but no, I, I, I mean, look in your soul, Dave. Whatever, whatever okay. your soul tells right. you fair. is that's color. That, that's what it is. Um, are Flyers, Capitals games the best hockey games you can watch? Oh yeah, if you don't like defense, man, sign me up. But defense. defense and hockey, well, come on. <laughs> Who's like I want I a good love- defensive hockey battle? <laughs> oh, I do sometimes. Um, but no, man, the Flyers, Capitals. Uh, especially last season for the Flyers, even in in years before, it's just that matchup where it's like about halfway in the game they say, "F it, track me." Like first one to ten wins. Boy, and boy I the Caps it. got killed on those sweaters. Uh, <laughs> just changing those W's to L's, it was just brutal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you know, what I was watching the broadcast. I was like, I kind of like those sweaters. We haven't done a uh, a fashion Adelphia. Um, no, we haven't really since we've since we've been on on the uh, on the live stream here. Uh, th- can we talk about the uh, the union real quick? And their oh, new jerseys. Sure. Yeah, we got two minutes. Two minutes. The little union jersey talk. They got the old the old uh, uh, the, the Franklin yellow jackets uh, colors. The the, the Philadelphia. Uh, teal and, and yellow um i guess these are our fan inspired jerseys with like lightning bolts they have like a ben franklin tie i think they're cool yeah they look great i i really like them i, lo- I like that sort of it's it's not a a non sort of canon uh color it's certainly a sort of a, a shade of blue that has been used in their their kits before and uh of all the the sports i i like when the the MLS team sort of go with something adventurous, and um, you know, I think it's going to look good once we uh, once they get out on the pitch. Yeah, I look at the they're like stand because this is just like an alternate jersey, right? This isn't like their it's their third jersey, all time. So I look at the white, you know, the the standard white jersey, and I it, it looks old and tired to me next to the new like lightning bolts. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's cool in the back, the little kite with the key on it. Mm-hmm. It's cool. Yeah, it's got a lot of cool little nods to to the city, and uh, you're right. It you know you could have overdone it and had it sort of look like a Mountain Dew sort of version of the Union, and uh, you know maybe like had a big X on it. But uh, I like that they sort of were able to find the the healthy balance between looking young and hip and uh, sticking with something that's also aesthetically cool. All right. Well, you know what else is aesthetically cool? The penalty box. That transition was terrible. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, transitions can be tough. Um, sure. And Gene, Gene, who is in your penalty box this evening? Well, you know, as we opened uh, with with um, with streaking, I think um, maybe we should get close to closing with streaking. And uh, what I'm going to yeah. do is I'm going to I'm going to put the modern streaker into the penalty box. Uh, I really feel like okay. the the streaking uh, movement uh, in America sort of ended when everyone started to hop into boxing rings with with things painted on their bodies to get advertising, which sort of led to 
this this trend of just the camera immediately looking away from from the from the person who has run onto the field or immediately cutting cutting to to commercial. Uh, as a as a youth, I, I remember being at Veteran Stadium. My dad had season tickets, and uh, it was a a weekly occurrence that somebody would try to get on to Veteran Stadium's field. And nothing made me happier than if they got too close to one of Buddy Ryan's linebackers to just watch that guy fly like 24 feet and land at the feet of some yellow jacket veteran stadium security guard. Trust me, those security guards weren't hustling to get those guys on the ground. They knew that if they got too close to Andre Waters, that guy might lose his head. Um, that made, and I'm pretty sure most CBS or, or, or Fox broadcasts back in the day, uh, they probably let the camera roll because they knew what good television was back then. Um, from from now, you know, ever since you know, I guess the advertising, you know, we don't want to give away any free advertising on television. Uh, we've gotten away from being able to see, uh, you know, what happens to the streaker. To me, it was never about seeing how far the guy would run. I was never rooting for the streaker. I was always rooting for seeing how I was rooting for the takedown. You know, I'm, I'm the guy that watches NASCAR for the crashes. Let's be honest. Um, so I watch streakers for the tackles. Uh, the other thing is, uh, you know, these streakers are putting on more and more clothes. <laughs> I feel like if you're going to be so bold, you're going to need to show a little more skin. Um, you know, it's, it, you know, wearing like the, 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 the yellow booty shorts, just not, not quite doing it for me anymore. So modern streakers, let's get back. Let's get back to our roots. Let's get back to the things that made it interesting. Show a little more skin. Get rid of the advertising and be ready to take a hit. All right, modern streakers. Gene is putting you in the penalty box because he wants to see a tackle and he wants to see your bait and tackle. If you're gonna do it, do it right. Two minutes for decent exposure. Well done. Thank you. Uh, Dave, who is in your penalty box this evening? All right. I am going to put people who use the phrase sports ball in the <laughs> penalty box. Look, sports is part of the human condition. There's a reason why it's one of the pie pieces in Trivial Pursuit. You can't just <laughs> ignore it. It's just as important in the pie as science and art and history and sports okay and just because you don't like something to prove you don't like it you don't have to act like you're an ignoramus about the subject anyway okay look i'm not an astronaut but i don't describe outer space as i don't know bubbly planet area you know or what like to make me look like a complete moron on on the topic so look Oh my God, what did Tom Brady win another sports ball championship? No, you know damn well it's football. You know damn well the Super Bowl is football. Stop it. Stop it. Stop. All right. For those who say Stop. sports ball, the joke was old before he started. Sports were old. It was dates back to the Greeks. So if you want their literature, you want their democracy, you got to take their sports too. Uh, four minute double minor for sports and for ball. Stop it. Chuck, in, uh, I in my penalty box this evening is Jack McCaffrey. Jack McCaffrey recently wrote an article um, headline stripped down gritty drum bangers insulting to banish Sixers and Flyers fans. 
if that headline seems nonsensical, you should read the article. Um, <laughs> it takes exception to the fact that um, there's things going on in Wells Fargo when the fans can't be there. And it contains this paragraph, read verbatim. Last week, the franchise best uh, blessed with full fan capacity for nearly every game since 1973 found it appropriate to encourage its mascot to use the mostly empty stands to play playfully sit for an au natural portrait during a game. How coldly irresponsible is that? How much disregard does that show for customers who'd spent billions over the decades to occupy those seats? Uh, skip to keep the place unoccupied if it makes you feel parental. Just don't taunt a masterpiece of a fan base when you do. And <laughs> I, I don't know if this belongs in the penalty box or the old man yells at Cloud Hall of Fame. So <laughs> read the article, get the man some clicks. And let's get the man some help. So Jack McCaffrey, have some fun, enjoy life, and maybe get a prescription or two. Two minutes for just being miserable. <laughs> all right. Now that is all the time we have for this week. Uh, please remember, if you haven't done so already, to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, also, check us out on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search Podadelphia. Uh, be sure to follow the Painted Lines channel where we're broadcasting on YouTube <clears throat> for wall-to-wall -wall Philadelphia sports coverage. And uh, head over right now uh, to go watch the, uh, the Sixers watch party for their game against the Kings tonight. Uh, and until next week, have a great day at work, everybody. We are out of here. <laughs>